Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome, Roy Cavana, sir. How are you to Book Corner? I'm, I'm very good and uh, delighted to be here with you, uh, Paul. It's uh, it, it's really enjoyable. I, I enjoy the, the the crap when I'm here. You are my uh, author of the month. We do this. We do this regular uh, monthly <coughs> podcast now with uh, Andy from MyFootballBooks.com, who promotes some wonderful football books. You have written so many fantastic football books about Manchester United. You've been so kind in sending me so many books. We've hooked up many times now doing podcasts. So we're going to be for the first ten minutes or so just on book corner with Andy, passing ourselves back to Andy. Then we're okay. going to be talking more in length about the Manchester United book of the 70s. So, first and foremostly, Legends Publishing, how can people purchase the book is the first question, because that's what we want it to do. We want it to fly off the bookshelves, (laughs) but Roy, we don't want it to fly too too quickly off the bookshelves, because it could break your ankle or break your toe if it falls on you. (laughs) 410 pages and... uh... Hundred glossy coloured pictures, um, which for the seventies is a uh, you know remarkable really because you know obviously there's still a lot of black and white around uh, at the beginning beginning of the seventies. But yeah, it's available from uh, legendspublishing.net. Um, it, it is also on Amazon, so you know either way. But um, it, direct from the publisher, legendspublishing.net, um, or if you put the title of the book, Manchester United Book of the Seventies. Um, I'm sure you'll find it on Amazon as well. How long did it take you to put this book together? Because all of um, David Lane's books put, uh, from uh, Legends Publishing, they are not just books, they're works of art, they're coffee table books, but you do need reinforced glass on that coffee table <laughs> because they are so heavy. They're just yeah. wonderful, aren't they? Yeah, it does tremendous uh, public... Um, Publications and um, is, is meticulous with um, the, the, the coloured pictures, which is tremendous. It, it actually, I suppose, actual writing uh, probably twelve months because I, I actually concentrated on that as opposed to other things. Um, you know, when I had spare time and yeah. weekends and whatever. Um, but of, of course, you've then got um, the checking, which can take as long as the writing. Um, especially when you've got statistics and things such as that. I, I, w- one thing I learned very, very early in um, in writing books, uh, Paul, was once once it's published, it goes invariably goes on the bookshelf because if you open it and there is spelt wrong, as was spelt wrong, which is a bad word for me. I, I must admit, my wife helps me out greatly with that. H-A-S or A-S, that one. I, it's just have a phobia about it. And then if you, you know, you read something and it's Y-O instead of Y-O-U for you. for you. There's nothing you can do with it then. You know, it, it's there. So um, 
I, I just tell you a very quick um, little thing which changed it. One of my early books with Fred Eyre, who we spoke about before, um, you know, I, I don't want to... In a way, he was a journeyman football because he played for 26 clubs. But he, he was a decent player, Fred, and he, he was he got a great talent uh, as after dinner speaker. Um, and, it, and his writing is is funny. He's got a quick wit. And we wrote this book together, and uh, it was called uh, What a Game. And in it, uh, one of the things early doors that I, I didn't check as much as I, I, I should have done was pictures because you've got the picture. And then you've just got a small caption underneath, haven't you? Yeah. Um, Paul passes to Roy, bang, whatever. And this picture um, said, um, one of the City, when they won the league in 68, they won at Newcastle 4-3 on the last day. And I'm sure it says something like, some of you scoring the fourth goal. And all that there is on the picture is the net and the ball going, going in the... <laughs> In the net, so you know that. After that, I'm thinking uh, better check picture captions after this. Yeah, they can catch you out at times, but it was still Summerby scoring the goal that hit the back of the net. It's a little bit like Puskas's goal in 1954 in yeah. Bern. You know, yeah. there was no evidence of him actually <laughs> kicking it, but then when they pick the ball out the net. Yes, we're back on, yeah, you know, yeah. we're back on filming now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, absolutely. You know, cause you do a lot of, you know, Man City referencing as well in your yeah. books, uh, because you're a, you're a football fan of Manchester United. You're a Salford lad and you're a big cricket fan as well. Yeah. I do want to talk about the one game there involving City and Manchester United Probably one of the most iconic games that that they've ever played was the game where Dennis Law scored the back heel goal yeah. that um, ultimately, I don't think it was that goal that relegated United, although lots of people seem to think it was. What was the story behind that? And I think they only played 87 minutes of that game. It wasn't actually yeah. finished, was it? No, you see, we, if we, we could have had the extra three minutes and one, two, one, and might have stopped up. That wouldn't actually have been correct. But uh, funnily enough, it was a, a club after your own art. Uh, it was your own Birmingham City. Yeah. Um, it was the first year, 73-4, of three, three up, three down. And um, United, Southampton and Norwich went down. Yeah. Um, but Birmingham, they had two great wins. They won the last two games uh, comfortably. Um, so consequently, if United had a beat City, um, and, and I think Stoke on the last one, they still would have gone down. But it, you know, why spoil a good story? I actually was at the game, and I was right behind the goal. Um, we used to be the old scoreboard end at United. When, when in the days when it was open, you'd have a big open Stratford end, which was like the old ten, and you had a, a big open end where there was just a scoreboard. And then, you know, various cantilevers came round and covering came round. And the scoreboard end became what's known as K-stand. And in front of it was a standing paddock and behind it was uh, a cantilever stand. Uh, and I had a, a league, what was called a league match ticket book in those days uh, from when that opened in 72. So by this one, there was a, that was the second, third season. And I was halfway back right behind the penalty spot, if you, you know, a lovely elevated view. So I was right behind the goal. Um, and of course, um, Dennis just instinctively do, does what he what he did when he got in the six-yard box. He put the ball in the net. Yeah. Um, 
And I'm 99% certain of this. He actually turned round. The city players came to celebrate. But, you know, he, he just walked off. And he walked, because the tunnel in those days at Old Trafford was on the centre line. And he just walked and went up the tunnel. And uh, I'm pretty sure that was the last ball he kicked for City. And in fact, it may well have been the last ball he kicked in football league games because um, he went to the 74 World Cup with Scotland. I'm sure of that. Yeah, he did. And, but I don't think he played in the 74 fight season. I've not doubly, doubly checked on that, but it, I, I'm pretty sure that was, uh, you know, his, his, his last um, epitaph in, in, in football. And when he walked down that tunnel, do you know where he went? Yeah, I do, actually. He went into the United dressing room. He did, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and then the United players were trooped in after him. They didn't say, what the effing hell are you doing in their type of thing? And, and they just sat down knackered around him. Yeah. It, it's, it's a cracking story, that, isn't it? Absolutely. He was in tears, wasn't he, Dennis? Yeah, yeah, Jim, Jim, yeah, McCallio, Jim McCallio told me, he said, we walked yeah, in after the game. Yeah, because yeah. uh, Jim played in that game. He said yeah. there, there was Dennis in the corner in tears. Yeah. I went round, consoled him and that, and Tommy, when Tommy come in, because yeah. we thought it was going to go a bit barmy, because like with Tommy, yeah. it, uh, did he sell him to City or did he no. give him a free? It was a free, wasn't it? Yeah, he gave him a free so he yeah. could go anywhere. Yeah. And, and City, who were, uh, a, a top, you know, they were a decent side in those days. You had Colin Bell and, uh, you know, still had Summerby playing for them. And uh, I think he'd sign... Oh no, they hadn't signed. Den- they might have signed Dennis Stewart. I, I, I can't remember. But um, you know, and Joe Corrigan was there, and Tommy Booth. You know, they're a decent side. Yeah. Um, but uh, Tommy Doc quite disgracefully really uh, let Dennis go on a free transfer. Mm. Now he did have a lot of injuries towards the end of his of, of his career and everything. But I don't think it was just the fact he gave him a free transfer. I think it was the communication of him giving him a free transfer, which was in doubt. Um, and, of course, I think it led to, um, you know, infamous uh, law cases where, <laughs> excuse the pun, um, uh, you know, cases uh, where Tommy Doc, Willie Morgan, um, you know, he accused him of lying and, and things such as that. And uh, I think the, the Doc was found guilty, actually. Um, but that, that is part of the book. If you want, I can I can tell you that part as well because it's, it's very interesting that um, the seventy three four season, sorry, the seventy three four season when um, you know they, they actually did get relegated. Um, that at the start of that season, in writing it, I, I, it was one of the most. I, I don't like using the word depressing, but it was one of the most awkward and um, no, no way enjoyable writing about United. I mean, you can write about United and Birmingham or whoever you want and they, they win and lose. But this, you, you, you know, you, with the passage of time and remembering each game, you know, you looked at it and you thought, hang on a minute, we're starting the 73-4 season. Bobby Charlton's retired. Yep. Dennis has been let go disgracefully. Um, Georgie was on walkabout. Yeah. Um, we let Tony Dunn, who was a really top bloke, a top, top bloke, but a fantastic fullback. We let him go on a free transfer to Bolton, where he actually played another five seasons yeah. with Bolton. And then Cardinalson, Martin Buchan, who I had the privilege of meeting again last week, um, to, to, to give him his copies because he wrote the forward. 
they moved Martin Buchan, who was as good a number six as any in the country, and arguably around, they moved him to number three, to left back. Yeah. And, you know, young Jerry Daly was given his debut, he was only 18. Brian Greenoff was only 19. Sammy Mack was 19, 20, something like that. And, you know, you're looking at it and you think, bloody hell, no wonder, we, 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 you know, we're going to go down here. Mm. And actually, we just mentioned the man. We signed Michalio, Jimmy Michalio, from the Wolves um, around the February, March. And, um, you know, for that last two months, March and April, we played some really good stuff, and those were the best results we had. Um, and, and Jimmy made, made a heck of a difference. Um, we're going to pass back over now to Andy. You okay. and I are going to continue. But just yeah. before we do pass back to Andy, December the 22nd, 1973, Stoke City and Manchester United were level on points. Stoke went on when Alan Hudson um, yeah. turned up at, um, at the Victoria ground in January yeah. 74 and got yeah. to Europe. And sadly for Manchester United, they got relegated. Yeah. But yeah. at Christmas, who was top goal scorer for Manchester United? It's quite incredible, isn't it? It's Alex Stetney, was it Alex Stetney? Yeah, Alex Stetney, no, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. And actually, you know, he, 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 missed, he missed one penalty. He missed a penalty against Wolves at home. They drew nil-nil. And, oh, was it, he called Gary Pearce? Was it Gary Pearce? Yeah, Gary Pearce. He was a stand-in for, uh, yeah. for Lofty, wasn't he? Yeah. And he, he, saved, he saved the Alex penalty. Um, but the other one, funnily enough, the one was against Birmingham. And uh, Kelly was in goal, I think. Was it yes. Kelly? Yeah, it would be, yeah. Yeah. Now, interestingly, um, what's his first name, Kelly? Mike. 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 Mike Kelly. Well, I'm pretty sure that him and Alec uh, knew each other from uh, London, from school, you know, from school days um, in London. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's worth checking out if Mike Kelly is a Londoner because um, I'm pretty sure Alec knew him. He um, definitely played for Queen's Park Rangers yeah. and he was definitely uh, doing goalkeeping, well, courses, coaching courses, uh, because when Chelsea played um, QPR and Osgood scored three goals against him, he gave him the old fingers because I think it <laughs> was only Hudson. I think there was Hudson and Osgood yeah. that uh, that didn't get on this uh, FA coaching course. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. they told him to stick it where the sun don't shine. Yeah. Yeah, so, but, uh, but, that, that was the goal against uh, Birmingham, and, and they won one 0 with that game. Uh, and the other one, his other goal was against Peter Shilton uh, 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 for Les against Leicester. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Alec was a Alec was a Alec's a great guy. I mean, he, he he's um, he, he's when I say laid back, he's you know, what I mean, he's not I am I am I am. He's a he's a, he's a cracking guy, great company. Uh, and lovely to talk to, but I mean, he, he was embarrassed that uh, in in the end, I think um, I think there was two goals, two two people had six goals. United leading goal scorer in the season, six goals. One of them was Lou McCary. Um I'm guessing now. I've got a feeling it might have been something that, but uh, you know, it was ridiculous, and, and you no wonder they got relegated. And then of course the first player Tommy signed then for um, in the second division. They signed him actually at the 74 Cup final in London, which was Liverpool and Newcastle, I think. Yes, it was. 74, yeah. definitely, 100%. And they signed Stuart Pearson uh, from Hull City that weekend. 
and of course Stuart was was a was a, a natural goal scorer. And um, you know, again, it's an interesting one for you though. And I was talking to Martin Buchan about this last weekend. You know, I know it sounds sacrilegious, but in a way, if they had avoided relegation, would the next two or three seasons been around the still around the, the 14, 15 spot? Whereas with them going into the second division, which you wouldn't wish on your enemy really, but going in, or perhaps you would be if some some enemy's teams. Are. But when they were in the second division. They'd signed Pearson. There was a, a rebirth. The younger players were, were that year old. The Macalio uh, was still there for half of that season, at least. But the, the younger players had definitely matured. Uh, Jerry Daly, Brian Greeno, uh, Coppel came uh, towards the march, you know, and and they, they really came out of the second division flying high, so that when they walked into the first division the year after. They'd, they'd already been there, if you understand what I mean, yeah. two, two years before, and the likes of Alec and uh, uh, Lou McCary and people such like Martin Buchan. You had players who all them grounds were, uh, you, you, they were used to playing on um, stadiums such as that. Um, and, and of course, they, they played some exhilarating football under Tommy Doherty for three seasons. Um, so, you know, in a way, as I say, it could be sacrilegious, but you know, were they better? They made faster progress, if you understand what I mean, as opposed to languishing in 18 spot and 17 spot. I was talking to my uh, Manchester United friend today, and I said I'm doing a podcast with Roy Cavano, who's wrote many, many books, mm. and we were talking about the 73-74 season because it was an absolute pivotal season for Manchester, yeah. Manchester United. And he said the best thing that happened to us was we went down because yeah. we rebuilt and yeah. you're right rebuilding especially with kids and mm. and you're playing you know catch up if you like and you're finishing 16th 17th and so yeah. on you know it it's it sometimes demoralizing for the kids because they're winning a bit they're drawing a bit they're getting beat quite a lot when you go yeah. down that second division you win you win you win you win you win confidence is building confidence is building momentum yeah. is kicking in and uh, and I think that uh, United proved it because when they went up they went up with a force but we've we've finished the 60s so let's go back to the early uh, yeah. 70s where your book starts yeah. uh, Manchester United from the tragedy of um, of, of Munich uh, ten years on, lifted the uh, European Cup at Wembley against Benfica. They're rebuilding because any team has to rebuild from a position of strength. Although, how do you pension off like Doherty did? Best Lauren Charlton, arguably mm. the greatest free that's mm. ever played in uh, in English football and, and world football as well. But yeah. they were in the late sixties. After Alan Clark, because Alan told me, I mean, it was it was only he was going to sign because Busby had, had met him and he was going to sign, but it was only the Leicester City chairman and the manager at the time was Matt Gillies, and yeah. he liked them, and that's why Alan Clark decided to play for Leicester City. They yeah. were after Malcolm McDonald as well. It was yeah. Malcolm had said to me, Manchester United were in, but Newcastle had come in with the dough and, and he was off to Newcastle United. And Tony Curry told me that he was primed uh, to take over 
from Bobby Charlton in 1973, but Tony yeah. didn't want to leave Sheffield United. So yeah. they were building, wasn't they? United, yeah. even on the success, were still building, but they just couldn't get them three players over the line. Had they have, how different could things have been? Well, well, absolutely. And, and, and in a lot of ways, uh, Paul, I mean, you're quite right. If, if you take May um, when they, in 68 when they won the European Cup, I mean, I, I got I knew George before he, I knew George when he was 15, 16, when he first came. Yeah. Um, and then in later life, when I was doing after dinners and I was hosting them, you know, I, I, I compared George and, um, and, and and sometimes he was with Rodney Marsh. But George makes the, the, the classic statement. He says the first five years of being at Manchester United from 63 to 68, were absolutely staggeringly brilliant. And the next five years, from 68 to 73, should have been. But we didn't build on it. Yeah. And um, and I'm sure these are not lies or fantasies, because Wilf McGuinness is a, is a top, top man, a really top man. Um, uh, and full enough, I might be seeing him on Monday. I'm going speaking at the United Memories Group, and I, I hear Wilf goes along occasionally. Um, but he honestly told me, and he, he wrote a team out. Uh, they definitely wanted Shilton, um, and you know, over quite a while, really. Uh, even Tommy Doherty wanted Shilton when they won the cup in in '77. But I think he he went to Forest. Um, he'd, he'd gone to Forest then, I think. That's right, because they, they won the European Cup, didn't they? Yeah. The year after. Um, but they wanted Shilton. They wanted Mick Mills. At, at Ipswich, he was a very good right back and captain. They wanted uh, David Nish when he was at Leicester. Great player. They wanted Colin Todd when he yep. was at Sunderland. Yep. Um, Centre half, I mean, you know, they, they finished up. Ian Yore is the only signing Wilf made, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Alan Ball, who lives close, lived close to me uh, uh, then when he was at Everton. Um, and he he went to the Arsenal. You know, there was another player, whatever, and you've just mentioned Clark. Mal Malcolm McDonald I knew about. Uh, you told me about Clark. Uh, I didn't know about Tony Curry. Um, but, you know, those players were the players that um, we, Wilf wanted to sign. And a lot of them, a lot of them, Wilf had had when he, I think he'd been manager of England under-23s. So a lot of those... He knew from, you know, bringing them through. And we signed Ian Yore. Yeah. And that's no disrespect to Ian Yore, because in his time, Ian Yore was a bloody good centre-half. Yeah. But, but joining Manchester United in 1969 wasn't his time. He, 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 you know, he'd gone, he, he had knee injuries as well. Dennis had this knee injury from before the European Cup final, which is why he didn't play in it. Bobby would have had to retire eventually, obviously. Although, again, Martin Buchan says he still had legs. He still had legs and energy. And he could have played another year, possibly two years. But I think he, you know, was so upset about it. And, and George, we can criticise George for all you want. Um, but, you know, there, there were times over two or three years where he single-handedly was carrying United. And, and imagine being European Footballer of the Year at 21 and 22, winning the European Cup, and then looking round and thinking, right, I'll pass to Paul now. Where's he gone? Where's Dennis gone? Where's Bobby? Where's Ryan? Where's Ryan? Where, 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 you know, who's there? And um, so, 
you know, those are those are really big mistakes. Um, I've got a lot of views on them, and and they wouldn't be, um, you know, people would might disagree. So, but I mean, Matt, in a lot of ways, went on too long. It, 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 really, for him to have won the European Cup ten years after the Munich air disaster it, it, is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and whilst he did move like to uh, be the, the the general manager, I, I don't know if I've mentioned it to you before, but anyone who's got any Manchester United programme for the 1969-70 and 1970-71 season till Christmas when Wilf um, got fired, you do not see his name in the officials where it gives club officials, president, chairman, secretary, treasurer, that type of thing, directors. His name doesn't appear on that. And generally, page three in a program is your manager is in welcoming the opposition and the directors and the players and fans to wherever. Wilf did not write one single article in those programs in those 18 months. And Matt Busby did. And he also had his name on the list of uh, officials as the general manager. Um, and it really was a, a feeling that he wanted to, I'm sure, help out. I'm sure help out. Yeah. Um, but, you know, Will had, had constraints. You um, look at things like that, and I guess history repeated itself to a certain degree because Sir Alex was still there while Ollie was. And I remember yeah. when Ollie says, I'm not going to put me card in the uh, yeah. manager's car yeah. park because it's the gaffers. And, yeah. and all great teams are victims of their own success or successes. Liverpool yeah. had this problem with Shanks when Shanks retired. In fact, yeah. I think Liverpool, I'm right in saying, had to tell Shankly to stay away from the training ground because yeah. the players didn't know who to address as the boss. No. And, and as much as they want to still be part of it, it can be very confusing for the players. Yeah. Yeah. The one Liverpool didn't replace, of course, was was Paisley. Yeah. Because they actually did have um, in place a formulation um, after Shankly because he had the famous boot room yeah. and everything. And Paisley, you know, I mean, Paisley's record is incredible. Uh, and I, I do, I try and do, I'm an ambassador of Bishop Auckland Football Club. Yeah. And I'm proud to be because of, of what they did to help Manchester United. But Bob Paisley played in the Wembley final for Bishop Auckland, I think oh, in 19... 19- didn't know that. Well, not a Wembley final, he played in the FA Amateur Cup final mm. uh, in 1939. Um, that was his club um, up in the northeast um, before he went to um, to Liverpool uh, as a player. Uh, you know, but Paisley's record is, 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 is incredible. Uh, and then Joe Fagan even came in for one season and, and did a, a remarkable job. And, and Dalgleish, of course, did. So, you know, that went on. But that, that broke, didn't it, After probably after Dalgleish? Yeah, I think it. Sooners broke it, didn't they? Well, yeah, but he, I think... He wanted well, to change it and do it yeah. his way, which managers do. But going back to uh, Bob Paisley going to Liverpool, uh, a certain Matt Busby had a lot to do with that, as did Billy Little. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's, you know the, the paths of the two, what I would perceive to be the two greatest clubs in the world, 
uh, Liverpool and Manchester United. And I know that there's an awful lot of, of yeah. rivalry and they don't like each other, both from the northwest. But when yeah. you look at it as a complete uh, neutral, two phenomenal clubs and two yeah. clubs built on their their own business acumen, if you like. I mean, you've educated me on how Manchester United um, had had no money, they were broken, and and the goodwill and the intelligence of of people there at the helm steered United into greater, you know, more profitable pastures and Mm. uh, less choppier waters, if you like. And when people slag off the likes of Liverpool and Man United, these big clubs... You know, there wasn't always big clubs. It's their, their own intelligence and ingenuity that have made them big yeah. clubs. Well, I, well I, I've, I've told you before, the first game, I'm 99% certain, and I know I've got a decent memory. I can't 100%, but I'm 99% certain. The first game I went to was United and Villa Boxing Day in 1954. Yeah. And, and it was just because they had two moths Two Moss brothers with it played for the Villa, um, and I remember saying to me, Dad, um, "Hang on, why they got two? Two? I was only seven or eight. You know, why they got two Mosses? There, what's the, what's the crap? So it must have been a Villa game, and um, but you know, so you say from 1955, I've got a pretty good memory for say so myself. Oh yeah, absolutely. For the first time I saw Liverpool was 1962 because they were in the right. second division absolutely yeah they were in the second division yeah and uh you know and then of course shankly came brought them up and and, and then they reached a great success and, and united in the in the period people won't want to even go that far back now but if you if you really do look at the history of, of clubs um you know, United between the two wars, 1920 to, say, 1939, had really choppy times, yeah. you know. Um, so it, it is interesting. You are you are right. It is a, it's a quill. I remember Bobby Charlton saying, sometimes on a Sunday morning, Bill Shankly would go down to his house. Yeah. And have you got the, have you got the, the kettle on now for a drink? Yeah. I, I mean, can you believe that now? Can you imagine Klopp? Can you imagine Klopp going round to uh, <laughs> to one of the United players? Or, or uh, I mean, it's unbelievable. But but again, it was you know it was it was Busby that that told Liverpool to to go and get Bill Shankly, didn't yeah. they? You know there were there, there yeah. was I, th- I think back in those days there was more of a romance in football. They were all yeah. friends. We didn't. Yes, of course we had the rivalry, and no bigger rivalry than than United uh, against Liverpool. But there was that respect as well, wasn't there? You know, yeah. and, and they worked. It was it was almost like as they roll out this football family today that actually doesn't exist. But back then, in those days, it did exist, and 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 it, it wouldn't be uncommon for that to happen. In fact, um, Don Reeve and, um, and and Shanks were great friends. There yeah. there the, 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 the was just this. Um, I wouldn't say as thick as these because that's not a very nice term. But 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 they were all in it together, wasn't they? I think is yeah. is a fair uh, assessment. Yeah. What was your favourite year when you're writing the book in the seventies? Because you know things did go bad, um, mm. and and probably the worst game. Although there was already relegated, but when you played Stoke City in uh, in nineteen seventy four. That yeah. must have been a really difficult game for well, yeah. United to play yeah. in. 
yeah, they were they were down, of course, and yeah. uh, a, a very difficult night. Um, and of and of course, um, not sure if Green, Jimmy Greenoff played in that game, but of course Greenoff uh, was a great signing. But that only came yeah, about because, because of Stoke, uh, Stoke City. Uh, the roof blew off one of the stands, and they weren't but, insured. Butler's line in, yeah. Yeah, and you know they, they needed the money pretty quick, and uh, United coughed up hundred and twenty thousand or something, something like that for uh, for Jimmy Greenough. It's interesting with with Alan Hudson. I mean, I've not I've not had the pleasure of meeting Alan Hudson, but uh, I, I saw a lot of his of his early career, and you know, and, and you mentioned Tony Curry there. I mean, there were some great players, weren't there? Oh, in, in that, and I mean, I mean, gifted. You know, you, you just mentioned two uh, with with Hudson and Curry, but I mean Frank Worthington, who I did know very well. I mean, uh, you know, in fact, here's a little story for you. When 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 he used to do after dinner with Frank, and Frank walked into the room, he always had a black uh, shirt on. His hair brushed right back. He got a black shirt on, and and he he thought he was Elvis. He, he definitely thought he was Elvis. And, and when he sat down, you would say to him within five minutes, "What do you want to drink, Elvis?" You know, I mean, he, he just he just he, you know came over. But what a magnificent footballer! And there was there was lots of them around there. Uh, uh, I mean, you could look at Stan Bowles as well. Yeah, um, you look at you you'd um, reference Rodney Marsh earlier. Yeah, you know, we we had Charlie George. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had so many. I mean, they. They're referenced to as the Mavericks in an endearing yeah. manner. Uh, that term is sometimes used in a derogatory manner, but for me, it's always used in a loving way because them players are the reason that I love football, watching yeah. those on Match of the Day and, and seeing. And another character, of course, in Manchester was um, was uh, Mike Summerby, who, oh, yeah. again, George would go around there. They were best of pals, weren't they? There, there was a lot of love. Alan Hudson says there was a lot of love in 1973, apart from at Chelsea, but there was a lot of love at Manchester, although one got relegated and one didn't. George, George was my, some of his best man yeah. at his wedding. And in fact, there's a story in the book here, and, um, the, and they played City. And of course, George, people put him down as outside right, and he made his debut at outside right, and he wore the number seven shirt against Ben Peake, of course, in 68. But he played a lot of games at number 11 as well. Yeah. And, and George was number 11 in this game. And of course, City's number seven, the some of it. So, you know, the kickoff and uh, the, the near it. And George was um, was actually getting a lot of death threats um, in, in the 70s. Um, and in fact, there was one up at Newcastle, which the police took very serious indeed. But th- this particular one came at a local derby game, United City, at Main Road. And, you know, the papers were full of it. George had been threatened. And, and of course, they were stood opposite each other. And, and some of us told him where the effing hell to get off. He says, someone's going to have a shot at you. I don't want, I don't want him to miss and hit me. And <laughs> but uh, it just shows the times, the times. Um, incredible, incredible times. But, but yeah, you asked me, you asked me about the best, the best season in yeah. the 70s. Well, you can write off um, the first three yeah. and you can write off, you know, up to the relegation. The second division one was an incredible season mm-hmm. because, like you, quite correctly um, sussed out what, what, what I was trying to get over. You know, the young players 
mingled with the Stepneys and you, um, Alec, uh, Martin Buchan and, and people such as that, they, they they just mingled perfectly. And they came back, Ed's old eye, and they had a great star. And they were playing attractive football and they were used to winning because they'd had that, um, you know, they had that, um, I'm sorry, I'm talking now about the first season back in 70, 75, 6. Um, they, you know, they were, they were really uh, fearless, really. Um, and, and actually, when you look at records, and I'm going to mention two years, two seasons in the 70s, although one overlaps into the 80s because it's a 79-80 season. But that little four-letter word called luck. Yep. Now, 75-6, you know, it's first season back in the first division. With three games to go, if you look at the table and you look at the games, they could have won the league. Yeah. They were chasing Liverpool very hard for the league. They were in the FA Cup final. But, like, you know, they didn't have massive squads. There was no... the eleven. You could virtually pick the 11 players, and if one man got hurt, the reserve four went in, or the reserve three went in. We didn't make five, six changes like they do these days. Um, and they didn't have the, the big squads. But there was one or two injuries, and, of course, they'd now qualified for the FA Cup final. And I think the glamour of that, particularly as on paper, they were searched because they were playing second division Southampton. But everyone forgot that Southampton had a far more experienced side than the United side. You had Shannon, you had Osgood, um, you had Rodriguez, who was a Welsh captain at fullback. You know, you had, you had a lot of experience there. And Jimmy McAllag, of course, was uh, was playing. Um, and and United lost the final 1-0. And, OK, offside, not offside, whatever. They lost the final 1-0. And, but they needed to score United in that first 30 minutes. If they'd have scored, I'm sure they would have won it. But when they didn't score, you know, Southampton realised that, hey, we've got a chance here, and, and, and they won it. But United came second or third in the end and lost the cup final. So, you know, they could have won a double. And with, you know, they didn't, and if and whatever. But they weren't far short because you were only three games off the end of the season. And then the end one, 79-80, Dave's one of Dave Sexton's seasons, and Dave Sexton, of course, was much vilified. You know, be interesting what uh, Alan Hudson thought of Dave Sexton. I'll tell you exactly. Right. Okay. Well, I'll just finish what I'm going to say. I'd like to, hear. but you know, Dave Sexton, on paper, had a, a, a success at Chelsea, but of course, we lost the cup final in '79 to Arsenal, three-two. That memorable game with three goals in the three Green minutes. Ending. Yeah. So that could have been a win. And then 79-80 season, they were runners up to Liverpool by two points when it was two points for a, a win. Yeah. So, you know, again, he, he could could have won the, the Cup and, and League in successive seasons. Yeah. He didn't, but he, he, he could have done. Yeah. And then he got sacked. What, what was Alan Hudson's view? Um, many people believed that Alan Hudson didn't like Dave Sexton. Which is no. totally incorrect. Alan no. Alan liked Dave. Um, yeah. The problem is that Dave wasn't a manager, in Alan Hudson's opinion. Dave was a coach, not a manager. Yeah. And had he yeah. have brought in somebody as a manager and he would yeah. have stayed as a coach, then I think things would have been different at Chelsea. Um, yeah. But 
that was the the problem and the way that Chelsea those players at the uh, at the bridge with the likes of Udi and Ozzy and, and mm-hmm. Charlie Cook and you know um, Sponge <laughs> Tommy Baldwin and and you know a few others that there was a bit of a drinking culture yeah. uh, there at Chelsea and Dave didn't like it because he was too total. Yeah. He was uh, he was a churchgoer and he was teetotal. He was yeah, sort of a boxer, yeah. and and that. So and and I think that having that job so early, you know, the Chelsea job as a manager, it mm. um, I think it was a difficult time for him because then he went on and and he managed uh, Queens Park Rangers, didn't he? Yeah, uh, for, he won, for a while. But he'd won. I, I, I am right. He he won the cup with. Chelsea, didn't he? Uh, uh, in that infamous yes. final game. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, I mean, and then the European Cup Winners' Cup. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, Dave was relatively successful, but yeah. there was always an undercurrent there at, at Chelsea. Yeah. I mean, what do you say to me? Because uh, we do a, a podcast, My Life, My Music, and the one track, he picks a load of tracks, and the one was uh, Rainy Days and Mondays by the Carpenters. He's a lover of, of music. <laughs> and he'd say, Dave would listen to the stories yeah. of the weekends with, like, Charlie and um, and Tommy Baldwin going down to King's Road and doing the arm wrestles with Richard yeah. Harris and Oliver, yeah. Oliver Reed and stuff and what have you. He'd smell the breath, and he'd yeah. have them running around Epsom uh, Racecourse but, you know, <laughs> the, the way that Dave would do things, whereas um, when he went to Stoke with Waddington, yeah. Waddington was never bothered about what they'd done when they wasn't playing. All Waddington no. was ever bothered about is what they were doing on the pitch for Stoke City, yeah. whereas yeah. Dave was more concerned on what they were doing off the pitch. He would give the players bollockings, but he would never, he said, I never once heard him or saw him put his arm round Charlie or Ozzy mm. and congratulate them. And, and and I think that it, it just was a, yeah. a learning well, curve for him. Funnily enough, you know, I mean, uh, uh, what years are we talking about? 72, 3, 4. If you think 50 years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. But if you think what's just happened at United this last month or so in a way Solskjaer seems to come over as a decent man manager or a man man's man I, I hate using that but you know uh, understand the players but his coaching was letting him down his tactic his personal tactic. so you can imagine him bringing the Dave Sexton of the time to do the coaching and everything and the responsibility of whether they'd been on the lash or not the night before was the managers, which was Ollie's, and he, he might have said, "Well, as long as they went on the Saturday, I, I'm not that, um, I'm not that bothered." Osgood, you know, Osgood was um, um, was 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 a, was a great great centre forward. I mean, he broke yeah. broke his leg in that. Um, was it with Emily News? Emily News, yeah, yeah, News yeah. broke it, yeah. Um, and and he, but he was a great centre forward. I saw him. First time I saw him was the year we won the European Cup. 68 yeah and he came to united we just we just been to um oh was it the year before it was uh, no it was the year no no it was we were just gone through in the quarter final of the um of the of the of the european cup and you know people felt that this was going to be a good chance and, and chelsea came to united and won 3-1 yeah. and, and osgood played center forward and he was sublime. He wasn't. 
in a way, he was a bit of he was he was a two man centre forward. He could he could head the ball brilliantly, and he could score goals seemingly with both feet. But he could also drop off and 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 play the the other role as well. Uh, I, I I love watching Osgood play, um, and and again I had the real pleasure of um, hosting him at uh, sporting dinners, and it was it was it was great for me to to be alongside people who you you, you admire. Uh, the the big man was was different class and and a great mm. character and mm. and and he loved a shandy as well. Oh, we, yeah. <laughs> we heard he tell some great stories about us. In fact, he was we, when they played Birmingham um, in the seventies. Uh, he played uh, 73-74 uh, season in the September. Uh, they played Birmingham. And he said, I tell you, Paul, there's a good story about it. Ozzy said to me the day before, do you fancy going for a drink? <laughs> so they went and watched the Ali and Ken Norton fight. And and then when Hudson come back the year after, they'd met up with a, a wedding party and were drinking till about four o'clock in the morning. So both times Hudson played again, it was probably three parts to the wind. But again, back in the 70s, that's what they did. And Os- Osgood scored one of the best goals that Old Trafford had seen in the 70s, of course, when they played in the 1970 FA Cup oh, yeah. final it's replay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, how did... I Seriously, seriously. It's OK turning a blind eye, but how didn't eight players get sent off in that game? I mean, I mean, I mean, you know, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Funny enough, you know, in this 70s book on United, Tommy Baldwin there, because... Tommy Baldwin, um, the doc brought him two matches on loan. And, yeah, he played in the, the, the second division. He, he brought him to United and he played two games on loan. Um, and and, and the, one of the parts of the book is I cover the 76 players who played an official uh, match Official has to be it's an official first team game, not a testimonial yeah. or a friendly. It has to be like a league, league cup, FA Cup, European competitions. You know, an official game. And Tommy Bowen played in two games, and uh, they didn't win either of them. Uh, and 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 Tommy Doc brought him and 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 sent him back. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. That that he, he is in that. Um, just an interesting point on that, on statistics and all that type of thing. Um, because you were doing the 76 players that had played in official games, there's a lad called Jimmy Kelly who came on as a substitute against Wolves, about 75, 76, something like that. So he, he, only, he only, might have only played 40 minutes, but his name would go in the players who were all got a, a mainly coloured headshot and the full statistics and a bit of a blurb about them. And um, he, he, he only played 30, 40 minutes, but there's another lad who even staunch United fans may never have heard of, but he's called Peter Lofnane, L-O-U-G-H-N-A-N-E, Lofnane. And Peter Lofnane, actually played in 13 first team games for United, but not official games. Okay. So, like, he went on the, a world tour that Tommy Doherty took him on, and it's quite incredible. Seriously, the world tour took him, not in any order, but a game in Switzerland, Iran, 
Hong Kong, played five games in uh, Australia, four in New Zealand. This is after the season ended. Yeah. And um, Indonesia, all, all on the same tour. And um, and I think there was either a, a World Cup on or a European, um, no, it wasn't the European Championship. But um, they, they didn't have all the full 11 players. So our younger players went on that World Tour. And this Peter Lochnane played in seven of the games. And he also played against Celtic in uh, Jimmy Johnson and, um, oh, what a player he was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Bobby Lennox, his testimonial, yeah. he played against Red Star Belgrade in a friendly Old Trafford. So he played in big games, but they weren't official games. Um, I do mention him, but he, you know, he's not in the the, the seventy six players official appearances. Tommy Baldwin is, but he played two. Incredible, really. What he says, Tommy Baldwin could smell a pub from the tarmac as yeah. soon as the plane had landed. <laughs> when you're talking Jimmy Johnson, he was a better footballer than he was a sailor, wasn't he? Oh wow, my goodness! Oh my goodness! Oh, oh dear. What a I mean. You know, um, Martin Buckham was talking to me last week about um, Willie Henderson, who, who, who was the, who was the Rangers seven at the time, um, and you know, and it, I mean Scotland, of course. I go back remembering clearly Scotland in the sixties, um, and and what players they had. I mean, how the heck they didn't get to the sixty-two World Cup? How they didn't get to the sixty-six World Cup at, at Wembley? Uh, you know, in England. I mean, you know, closing my eyes, you got Bill Brown at uh, uh, Tottenham, the goalkeeper. What a goal he was. You had Elliot, uh, John Gregg, Eric Caldo, um, you had Paddy Crerand, um, you, you got Jimmy ba- Jim Baxter, yeah. you've got Johnston, you've got uh, Willie Anderson, you got John, oh, what a, John White, the ghost, what a player, the Tottenham Hotspur player. St. John, Gil Zine, Dennis Law, you know, and the, and the Celtic Lions team of '67. Uh, I mean, it's quite incredible. I mean, you know, Frank McClintock. Blimey, uh, some great, great players there. Um, and I think they played as a team, but they didn't win, did they? They didn't get through to win um, uh, to get European World Cup qualifications. Then I'm not sure how it was. You qualified in those days because. Up to a certain time, if you won the home internationals, you qualified for the World Cup, didn't you? But I'm not too sure when that ended. But uh, Jimmy Greaves always says in 1962, that was England's best team. Yes. Better than 66. And there's many, in many schools of thought, the 1970 team was better than the 66 as as well. But, you know, it's just the way that it drops, isn't it? You get that little bit of luck. And sometimes when you play bloody Brazil, (laughs) it's a bit difficult, especially if Garincha and Pelly are playing. Jimmy Jimmy does talk about great, or did talk about great time. No, not great time. Great stories about um, the accommodation that they had to put up with in uh, Chile in 1962. (laughs) I mean, um, but yeah, and when I think 58, I mean, people say about would Bobby, would Duncan Edwards have been the captain in 66 instead Mm -hmm. of more? But you go back to 58. Don't forget the the World Cup in '58 was in Sweden. Yep. So it was in Europe. You weren't mm-hmm. going. Uh, and and Roger Byrne at, at three, Duncan Edwards at six, and Tommy Taylor at nine were vital members of that of that England team. Yep. 
Um, Bobby Robson had just come in, uh, you know. I mean, a true story about Bobby Robson. Uh, um, I wrote the original biography of Duncan Edwards, um, which, oh, 1988, reprinted in 1998. Um, and we wanted... Um, well, why Bobby Charlton to do the forward? And um, I'm not going into it here, but for for whatever reason, he didn't do the forward. Yeah. And so we asked Bobby Robson to do the forward in 1988. And and a lot of times, Paul, uh, on books, you write the forward for the person, and you know they just say, "Oh, just alter that." Oh, yeah, that's fine. And they sign it. Yeah. And, and that's it. And Bobby Robson, I've actually still got the letter. He said, no, 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 no. I will write the forward about Duncan Edwards. Um, I made my England debut against France in November 57. And that turned out to be Duncan Edwards' last game. And the same month, he played in a game which has, I believe, um, Albion um, people still rate as one of the games of, uh, of West Brom. Uh, they, they beat the Busby Bays 4-3 at the Hawthorns. Yeah. United missed the penalty as well. And this was in the, you know, four, three months before Munich. And he said, just to be playing against him, he said, what a player, what a lad, and, and whatever. And he wrote it all himself, uh, did Bobby Robson. That's uh, Bobby, though, and he, he liked to oh, be... Hands yeah. on, and I'd never met yeah. the guy, but a smashing, yeah. a smashing fella by all yeah. accounts. We were talking about wingers earlier. Manchester United had some great wingers, didn't they, in the seventies? And that year that you got relegated, and then developed this youthful side that, that really, really come back up and 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 set the set their house ablaze. Uh, yeah. to, uh, to you know, in many uh, instances, uh, Coppel and Gordon Hill. Two great yeah. wingers, wasn't they? Yeah. Well, Koppel actually came... Um, sorry, Gordon Hill, rather, came when we got back into the first division uh, in 75. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. But in 74-5, of course, Willie Morgan, uh, who I knew very well, Willie, um, he, he was the outside right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and him and Doherty, Doc, I think, started having, you know, uh, a bit fractious. And... He signed, Tommy Doherty signed um, Stevie Coppel from, and he was at university in Liverpool. Yeah, he's clever lad, wasn't he? Yeah. Playing for Family Rovers. And, and Jimmy Murphy evidently saw him for half an hour and said, just get him signed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he was only 19. And the week before, he, he, his debut, he came, I can, I can visualise it now, he came on against Cardiff and uh, the doc pulled, uh, um, took Morgan off. And put um, Coppel on. It was nil nil at half time, about 10 minutes into the second half. United won 4 0, and Coppel laid two goals on a plate. And I think they went undefeated for the rest of the season because there was a little bit of a. The only air cup in their second division side, Paul, I remember being at Hillsborough in early December, and they were top of the league um, in the semi final of the League Cup, and Jim Holton broke his leg. Right. And, and that had a big uh, hiccup to the team. And it, Walsall knocked him out in the third round of the Cup after a replay. 
Uh, and I remember going to Villa Park at the end of February, and Villa were a good side. They, they, you know, they they came up with United and Norwich. Sunderland were a great side in that in that second division. Um, so it wasn't an easy ride. You know, they had some good side. But Villa beat United two 0 at uh, Villa Park. I remember going, and United were still top, but instead of having like a seven point lead, it, it, it come down to about three. Yeah. And they'd had a run, and this is around the time where Tommy Baldwin had made two appearances and we didn't win either game. And, you know, there was a bit of a hiccup. We got beaten in the semi-final against um, Norwich over two legs. Pearson was injured, couldn't play in either. Got knocked out of the FA Cup by Walsall. But the week after the Villa game was that Cardiff game, and Koppel came in and was brilliant. The year after, when we were in back in the First Division, around the April, no, sorry, around the um, November, they signed Gordon in his first game was against the Villa okay. at, Old Trafford, at Old Trafford, and and it was a, it was a marriage made in heaven. You know, couple work. Here's an interesting one for you. Um, I had a really great chat with Martin Buchan last week, and uh, and he said a diamond, a great bloke, and a truly great player. And coming from Martin Buchan, that was about Stevie Couple. Yeah. Um, was, was 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 whatever. He had a, he had a slightly different view about Cornell in that <laughs> one. He said he was an absolutely brilliant player. Yeah. But tactically and whatever, he thought he was oh, a bit brainless, really, in that respect. <laughs> you, you know. But it worked, didn't it? I mean, he had. Yeah. He, oh you yeah. Know, and he was a great player. Cornell, a load of load of goals. Um. But yeah, you're right. Couple um and, and Hill. Were, were vibrant for that for United for the next um, two or three years, weren't they? Right. Ma- Martin Buchan, he was the first um, captain to win the Scottish Cup and the uh, English Cup, wasn't he? I think he's the only one. I still to this day, I think, yeah. I think he's still the only one. Yeah, he, cer- he certainly was for a long time. Yeah, I might be wrong on that, but I think he's still the only one to mm-hmm. have won the, uh, the Scottish Cup with Aberdeen and the English Cup, uh, he won it with United, of course. So, yeah. A Great true, team. true Manchester United legend. We've got to talk about the 77 FA Cup final because you um, yeah. played Liverpool. It was, yes. uh, was it a Jimmy Green off shot and it hit Lou going yeah. in or, or the other way around? And, and that, was, around, that was the Doc's last game, wasn't it? Because yeah. he got embroiled yeah. in, the, um, in that situation with the physio's wife. Yeah, interestingly, two points on that because I say, I, 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 you know, I did a load of dinners with Tommy, and he, he, Tommy Doherty is exactly what the tin says. If you, if someone tells you any story about Tommy Doherty, it, it, it's probably true, um, in a lot of ways, larger than life. And but um, that, you know, interesting thing there with Mary Brown, who's the wife of, of Laurie Brown, and that was 1977. They finished up marrying each other. Yeah. And and they lived, you know, they were, they were married till Tommy died last year. Yeah, well, and yeah. They married 40 years, mm-hmm. you know. So um, so it wasn't a one-night stand, so to speak, or anything like that. Um, but, you know, but going back to that final with uh, with Liverpool, um, we'd st- we got beat with Southampton. And the year after, we started quite well. And then Buchan got hurt. Um, and... You know, we, we were struggling and then they signed Greenoff, Jimmy Greenoff, around the November, December. And they went on this great run. Um, 
got through to the final. Um, and I'm not, I, I know I can be biased, but I'm not, hopefully not in this case. But FA Cup finals were not necessarily great games. That, yeah, that, that, was, was, yeah. that was a great game. Yeah. Um, you know, two, a couple of great goals. Pearson's was a great goal. Jimmy Cases was a great goal. And, and as you say, um, Lou uh, had the shot. It, it brushed uh, Jimmy Greenoff's chest and, and went in and, and, and won the cup. And of course, li- deprived Liverpool of the treble um, because they won the league. Was it the league and the European Cup, didn't they? Yes, they did. Yeah, seventy-seven. Yeah, yeah European Cup. Um, yeah. But yeah, and, and but that was Tommy Dock's last game, and uh, Sexton came in for the start of the following season. Because that would have been the proper treble, wouldn't it? You know, the Football League Championship, the European Cup, and the FA well, Cup. That, that's what United did in '99. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's yeah. The prop, that is the proper treble. But when they say um, the treble, we won the League Cup and we won the no, Cup Winners' no, Cup. And no, no, it, ain't, no. it is a treble, no, no. but it ain't the no, no. the treble. The real treble has got to be the uh, League, yep. the FA, and um, the European Cup. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, Manchester United, they, they they started off the decade with McGuinness. Then it was Franco Farrell, wasn't it? Passed the baton on to the dock and then the dock passed it on to uh, Dave Sexton. Is that in the right order? I mean, I'm not a Manchester United what? fan, but through memory. Yes and no. That order is correct, but there was one other because Samat came back. Right, yeah. Wilf McGuinness got sacked around Boxing Day, um, nineteen seventy-one, and and for the rest of that season till the May, uh, Matt Busby was um, the the assistant, not, not the assistant, sorry, was the uh, interim manager as per Ralph Rackenecker, whatever he called. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Matt came back and stabilised the, the side and they finished eighth and, and whatever. Uh, but then O'Farrell came uh, the start of the um, 70, would that be 71-2, 72-3 season? And then uh, he lasted till um, the Christmas but his first season with United, of course, um, Frank O'Farrell. I saw his first game. His first game was a Watney Cup match. Yeah, Watney Cup yeah. at, um, at Halifax Town. And uh, all the big guns were playing. Um, Bobby, George and Dennis, all three played. And we got B 2-1. Yeah. Now, his first game. And you're thinking, oh my goodness, what, <laughs> what, what have we landed here? You know, we've just signed this guy. And then, isn't it, from the August until, this is 71 2, I'm just looking at it now, 71 2. From the August right through to Christmas, and at Christmas, there were five points clear. Two, point, two points for a win, by the way. Yeah, yeah. And they were wow. playing majestic football. And, Here's an interesting one. Uh, I'll just briefly, if, if you've got that, the time. Of course. Absolutely. 71-2 season started. So after the Watney Cup thing, Derby County away, um, you know, we're a great side, 71-2. Drew 2-2. On the Wednesday, Chelsea away. Um, George got sent off wrongly, and it was rescinded, but he, he was sent off. 
Um, and they came back and they won. United won three two at Chelsea. Uh, I bet what he was playing in that. Actually. <laughs> Certainly, Osborne would have. Yeah, yeah. Um, then on the Friday, Arsenal at home played at Liverpool, and Arsenal were the double winners from the year before. Yeah. Played at Liverpool because Old Trafford was shut for the first two home matches during due to a, a, a knife throwing incident the year before. Yeah. And then on the Monday night, West Brom at home played at Stoke, 1-3-1. The following Saturday, Wolves away drew 1-1. And then the Tuesday lost at Everton, 1-0. His first home game at Manchester was actually 1-2-3-4-5-6. was the seventh game of the season. Yeah. And, and they, were, they were playing some magnificent football. Absolutely, they beat Southampton in one game. 5-2, and it was the first time they wore that yellow shirt and blue shorts. It really was like watching Brazil, you were me. Mm. And George disappeared. He got hammered at West Ham 3-0 on New Year's Day, uh, and he, he he just disappeared. And the team went 8-9. They lost 8-9 games on the bounce. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, they signed Buchan, and he signed Ian Story Moore. He was a great player, but Injury prone, wasn't it? Great. It was a shame that he had that injury yeah. at Forest, and then um, he yeah. had the injury at United. Yeah. But again, what a great signing that was in the 1971-72 season. But Brian had signed him, of course, for uh, for Derby County. <laughs> no, on the pitch. Yeah, yeah, he, he signed him. Young yeah. man, don't ask me again. He's a, not. A, he's a Derby yeah. County player. <laughs> but the forest, the forest directors wouldn't sanction it. They wouldn't sign no. it. But Cluffy told no. him that they did. Because Story Moore had actually, Story Moore told me I actually yeah. signed for Derby County. Cluff, yeah. Cluffy told him that everything was okay. <laughs> that that was Brian. What was it like playing at Anfield for uh, for a United yeah. fan? Well, it was it was the crowd was just just under thirty thousand, and yeah. uh, uh, mainly Manchester, of course, because Arsenal it was a Friday night and uh, and whatever. But as I say, they were the they were the double. They'd won the double. Yeah, uh, good the team. Um, I, I, either I'm looking through rose-coloured glasses or whatever, but you know, there wasn't really. Um, there was one or two, because a lot of United fans would be on this, would, would, was on the cop end. And I was, I had a seat on the in the in the new stand. It was, it was you know, it was okay. But there was there was violence about. It. There's no no doubt about it. But um, you know, you just kept your head down. You knew which way to go, which way to turn, and and whatever. Um, but yeah, really good time. The, the the difference, of course, Paul, and I don't want to be an old farty, but the difference is social media. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, jumping 10 years, Fergie wouldn't have lasted four years like he did no. if social media had been out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because and I, I know they came runners up in one, one of the seasons, but he would have he would have got sacked. And even some match, you know, if, if you went back, uh, the crash, the following year, they, they, they incredibly finished up runners up to the walls. But then... 1959, 60, 60, 61, 61, 2. There were, there were 12, 14, 15, you know. I mean, uh, and a lot of people would have been saying on social media, oh, Matt's lost it and whatever. 
course, we signed Dennis Law the following season, and then <laughs> everything turned out right for six years. But um, you know, social media's it's 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 so whatever. It's so informative. It's good, but it's bad. It's it's whatever, isn't it? I think in the media per se, not just social media, yeah. there's a lot of pressure on the the how many times do we hear it rolled out? It's a results business. No, no, yeah. no, it's not. It's a yeah. game of football. Managers yeah. need time to build clubs, build yeah. teams. And when Samat took the job, it was he a and aid over whether he was going to be the manager of Liverpool or Man United. But yeah. at Man United, he was allowed to not just build a team but build a club. Mm. And that's why mm. Busby went to, to to Manchester United, wasn't it? But mm. you had time in those days. You built yeah. things. I mean, today you've only got to play in the Premier League, lose seven games, you get the sack. I mean, Watford yeah. have Watford have a, a, a different manager for every season, don't they? <laughs> you know, winter, spring, summer, and autumn. Your other thing, though, Paul, and we all remember this. I mean, whatever your team is. They were your team. Yeah. So you go to the game on Saturday, you're looking forward to a good game. You knew beforehand whether you should win, whether you'd do well to get a draw or you were likely to get front. But, you know, if you played bad or they didn't try or whatever, oh, you have a moan, you have a pint with your mates at the night and whatever, into work on Monday morning. Tuesday morning, it was, right, we were playing Saturday. Should we go and watch that? And it, it was, that was it. It was your team and you got on with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, now... I mean, crazy. Social media have people sacked and yeah. substituted during the game, don't they? Yeah, they do. Oh, he's, playing, he's playing terrible. Get him off and all that type of thing. And then he scores the last minute winner. Uh, I mean, look at Fred at United. I mean, this guy, I don't know how many he's played on the trot, but he's, he's in the Brazil team. Yeah. Not as a sub. He's a, he's a starting 11 player yeah. for Brazil. Now, whether or not I don't know what position he plays for Brazil, but whether Solskjaer was playing him in the wrong position or not. And and the other night, you know, um, last week rather, you know, he, he he made a couple of bad passes and then he scored that goal. Next minute is going to be the next Ballon d'Or winner. I mean, it's it's incredible. But again, that is the modern age of football. <laughs> whereas you know, you've always been as good as your last game, but you're you're, you're as good as your last twenty minutes today because yeah. you're right. Yeah. These keyboard warriors putting it about, <laughs> and it, it's just absolutely. I look and I think, oh my god, yeah. and, it, and it's yeah. just reams and reams, and it's never ending. If I was a footballer today, there's no way I'd be on social media. Forget that. Yeah. You, yeah. You, you know, you you, you wouldn't it, know where to look. And them who are, of course. I mean, who who writes it for them? Oh, we must try better next week, and we apologise. I mean, I, I mean, I know you're not thinking that, surely. I mean, it, what, and then three weeks after you win, and then another three weeks after, we must try better. I mean, surely they're not right. No, they and they <laughs> haven't got time to do all that, <laughs> and and they they employ people to do. I mean, they have. Three million followers. The mm. traffic that they would have it would mm. be incredible. 
There's no interaction. I just don't understand why fans want to follow the modern day football on uh, on social media because it ain't them. It's somebody working for them. So everything's shallow. It's hollow. It's it's just you know it's a facade, isn't it? It ain't like what it was. Proper stuff in the seventies. What would your Manchester United lineup be from all the players that that you saw? In the seventies, I'm guessing Stepney would be your goalkeeper. It would be your uh, your foot, your your, your defensive yeah, line. Yeah, uh, I thought you were going to ask the Manchester United lineup from when I first saw them in 1955. <laughs> uh, that's a bit difficult. Um, yeah. yeah, no, no, uh, my, my team would be Stepney in goal. Yeah. Um, the right back, uh, there were two right backs, and um, Scottish international called Alex Forsyth, and then Jimmy Nicholl came into the side about seventy-five. And, uh, you know, finished up playing for Northern Ireland as well. So you've got your choice. Uh, A man that um, Martin Buchan speaks very, very highly of at uh, left-back, Stuart Houston. Yes. uh, Who who Martin says to me is a very good left uh, centre-half as well. Right at the end, of course, that 77 final, um, younger uh, Arthur Alberston played in in, in that game. So he he was a great left-back. But of that, you uh, you would have pro- probably gone Stepney, Nickel, and uh, Houston. Um, Buchan would be one of your centre backs. You know that you know the centre backs interesting because Jim Orton didn't play that long at United really, perhaps two seasons. Be interesting what um, Jim McCallieog uh, thought because he was a Scottish international as well. What what his his thoughts were on uh, on Jim Orton. Because um, I would think you have different thoughts if you're playing against him than if you're playing with him. Um, um, but, but Brian Greenoff, of course, uh, as Martin Buchan said to me, I taught him all he knew because he wasn't your archetypal centre half, really, Brian Greenoff. But him and Buchan had a, a, a very decent partnership. I think Holton and Buchan would be a centre back. Um, probably playing 4 2 4 here. Yeah. And. Um, so, top of my head midfield would be Sammy McElroy and Lou McCary. Although Jerry Daly, you know, might have had a shout, but I think McElroy and McCary. Hill and Koppel, uh, Koppel at seven, Hill at 11. Um, definitely um, Stuart Pearson, the centre forward. Uh, and definitely uh, Jimmy Green off the inside right. So, you, it would be Stepney one, um, Nickel two, Houston three. McElroy four, Holton five, Buchan six, Couple seven, Jimmy Greenoff eight, Pearson nine, Lou McCary ten, and Gordon Hill eleven. That ain't about eleven, is it? David McCready would be the super sub. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have any former players' input when you were writing this book? Yeah, well, I um, not. I actually had tapes and interviews that I'd, I'd, I'd made with these guys for yeah. other productions. Mm-hmm. So I, I slipped them in. Uh, top of me, had Alex Stepney had uh, interviewed and he used um, his thoughts. Simon McElroy had um, interviewed. Uh, Lou McCary had met um, two or three times. So definitely their stories um, were, were interspersed across the thing. I mean, Stepney, for example, uh, you know, I, I, the, the time I interviewed him was the, the sort of book like what was your favourite game and all that type of thing. And I would have assumed um, he would have said 
the 68 European Cup final, you know, when Eusebio nearly shot through his chest with that ball. <laughs> um, but he said, coming back to the 70s, his uh, best ever game for United was the away match at Sunderland in the league where they drew where they drew 0-0 and he had one of those unbelievable games and that was in that period I was saying to you after Jim Holton broke his leg yeah. where you know we were under bits of pressures and Sunderland missed out actually on promotion uh, the home game by the way with Sunderland still recognised as one of the great 61,000 well, I remember that as a kid I'm yeah. like you're having a laugh ain't you how many <laughs> and Villa, Villa had been there the fortnight before and it was 55,000 for that yeah um, you know, and yeah, so, uh, but he said, no, that was the, that was his uh, greatest ever game for United. It was the nil-nil draw at Sunderland uh, in, the second, in the second division. And he had a good game against uh, Stan Bowles, didn't he? That was on match of the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Saved Stanley's spot kick. And no. there's some lovely archives from Match of the Day where <laughs> Stepney and Bowles are there and there. And what did he say to you? Well, you, know, yeah, you can right. imagine what Stan Bowles said to Alex Stepney, yeah. can't you? Yeah, Georgie Best, of course, had quotes from George. Yeah. Um, which, uh, again, I, 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 I interspersed into the, into the book. Because, again, George, you know, although he's not in your... Because you, you've named pretty much your 11 from... Doherty onwards, haven't you? Yeah, because yeah. obviously George, Bobby, and and, and Dennis yeah. played the first three seasons. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but I mean, George, George had uh, that season I told you about with O'Farrell. Yeah. I mean, he was he was magnificent. I mean, we are talking genuine world class. Yeah. Um, and could have been uh, the, the uh, but he but he only played. And, and of course, he he disappeared too much. Where Steve Coppel played five seasons in that um, in that decade, mm. um, and 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 would get just get the vote over it. But Best is the best player. I think I mentioned it before. George Best is the best player I've ever seen. So uh, if I'm picking an old and and um, you know and Dennis as well. The, the Charlton's an interesting one. You know, I mean, this could call rupture between United fans, but. Charlton's an interesting one. I'll just throw some out there. Yeah. I mean, I saw Bobby play in the youth team, in the reserves, saw his United debut, saw his last United game. And truly great, great player. The interesting thing is, if you're picking a 4-2-4 of Manchester United greats, now, a lot of people would say, well, best law and Charlton automatically go in. Yeah. But that is correct because Dennis would probably go in as a number 10 and George could go in as 7 or 11. But Bobby is an interesting one because from my point of view, the best number 9 I've ever seen mm. was the late, great Tommy Taylor, yeah. who, who was a genuine number 9. Mm. And paying 424, you would have, um, you'd probably have. Best say at seven, you'd have Taylor at nine, and you'd have Law at ten. Now Bobby did play a lot of games outside left. Yeah. He also played, of course, at number nine. So if you wanted to put him in the team, you but number eleven, he, he wasn't he wasn't a, a world class number eleven. If you if you follow what I mean, yeah. he, he did his best, more than his best, and and probably 
played a lot of games for England at that. But really, to me, Bobby Charlton was an outstanding, what you and I would call the old-fashioned inside forward. Yeah. Now, if you're playing four-two-four, okay, you've got two in, you've got two inside forwards. But I I would argue that Brian Robson and Duncan Edwards would be two midfield players. Yeah. So it is interesting. I mean, Charlton could play at the, the eleven, but then again, Giggs was an an, an actual eleven, wasn't he? I was eleven, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's not being, not being argumentative, but you know, you, you, picking your best ever Manchester United team, which position would you put Bobby Charlton? In? And if you say nine, I would argue Tommy Taylor was a better nine. Yeah. If you say eleven, I would say that uh, Ryan Giggs was, was a better eleven. Now, if you then stay in instead of Brian Robson or Duncan Edwards as midfield, well, that that's argumentative. Um, and, it, and it's a good argument, isn't it? <laughs> we're going to be argumentative here because we're going to uh, finish shortly. Yeah. Um, but we're going to now pick your all-time Manchester United eleven. <laughs> You've done your 70s. So we're going back to the babes as well now. I know that you were only a young boy when you were watching the, the babes, but yeah, from the 50s there till now, what would be your United eleven? I'm going to find this very interesting. Well, I, I, I've obviously been asked quite a few times to do that. And, yeah. and how I did it, by the way, I actually finished up with 66 players. <laughs> because I had a 50s 11. Yeah. 60s 11. Yeah. 70s. Yeah. 80s. 90s and zeros. Yeah. So I've not gone this this last decade decade from 2010. Yeah. So and then it interspersed it, and and I'll tell you and I'll tell you pretty quickly what the eleven I chose, and the eleven I chose the goalkeeper would be Schmeichel, yeah. but Van der Sar very very close. Uh, it was just that Schmeichel played a bit longer than Van der Sar, but Schmeichel as the goalkeeper. Um, the two fullbacks. Now, again, I put Johnny Carey in because Johnny Carey was one of the greatest footballers in the world yeah. when he was captain of Manchester United. Rod Byrne was a magnificent number three and a captain and a man. However, this just shows you where it's impossible to do it. Yeah. Dennis Irwin... Tony Dunn, a too magnificent for her in particular, has to be very, very close. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I'd probably put Irwin at two because of Johnny Carey was just before my time, really. Anyhow, I met him, and but I knew, but I know of his history. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and you only have to look at that history. The man who captained the rest of the world against Great Britain yeah. in 1946. Um, you know, you're talking, oh, okay, leave him out. But yeah, so I'd probably go Irwin as two and Roger Byrne at, at three. I'm playing 4 2 4 here. At centre backs, we've had two pairings of centre backs that would take some shifting. Bruce and Pallister, uh, who I felt knitted together brilliantly. Yeah. And um, Stan and Ferdinand, who also knitted together forward. And that is a, a sheer toss-up. 
that is a sheer toss-up. I'd probably go Stam and uh, sorry, I'd probably go Bruce and Pallister. But you know, you, you could. But I'm not mentioning Martin Buchan there. I mean, do you do you do you mix and match? Do you put Stam as a forceful centre half with Buchan? You know, so it's difficult. Um, the two in midfield would be Robson and Edwards, and the four up front, as I said, would be best at seven. Um, would be who did I say? Tommy Taylor. Taylor and Tommy Taylor at nine, mm. Law at ten, and uh, and Giggs at eleven. Yeah. Which you know, so reading on a one to one to eleven, I assume you'd be playing uh, Robson sort of as, as as the eight or or the, or the ten with Dennis at number eight. You know that type of thing, and Duncan Edwards anywhere. So it is difficult, but I think you know there's food for thought thought there, but. Um, you know, the Bobby Charlton one is very, very interesting. Um, you know, if you if you just say, "Well, he's the greatest player United's ever had," which mm. you you know you could argue. I mean, I I wouldn't argue against that. So he has to be in the team. But you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. It's, it's one of them. Are you picking eleven names, or are you picking a team? Yeah, that's the difference. You know, because if you're picking eleven names, you could finish up with six, seven forwards, couldn't you? <laughs> How no, close no, would Dennis Violet have been to that United team? Yeah, yeah very. Um, Violet um, was was one of the greats of the Busby Babes. So, consequently, again, if you're looking for that ten as the out and out goal scorer, but here's one for you, of course. You, you could look at Rooney now, couldn't you? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. On, his, on his record, so yeah. so it's it's virtually impossible. And how about Cantona? How, how would Cantona be viewed by the United fans? I know that, I mean, you listen to United or watch United on the telly and uh, they're still singing songs about Eric Cantona today. Yeah, but again, you know, interestingly, I mean, what is one for you then? What position position do you think Cantona played? What position personally do you think he played? Um, I, would, I would say that uh, Eric just played where he wanted to. Oh, that's a brilliant answer. Brilliant. You just say, Eric, go and play. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying is that if you're yeah. trying to pick, if you're picking positions, absolutely, yeah. Rob, Robson was an out and out midfielder of, of real class, wasn't he? Yeah. Edwards was, of course. So you're saying, well, I can't put Eric into there. So best to me is the best right winger I've seen. And Eric oh, wasn't. Could not play George, Eric yeah. wasn't a right winger. Yeah. And you know he wasn't a left winger. But you're right. In in our old fashioned parlance. Eric was playing eight, nine, and ten, wasn't he? Yeah. In that type of situation. But if you're actually picking those who played in that number, in that position, rather, um, yeah, it's, it's just impossible. We're just so fortunate. And I keep telling them all, you know, you do, stop knocking it. If they have a bad game, they have a bad game. If they come second, I mean, last year, like it Olympic, United finished second. Out of 92 clubs, they were beaten finalists, deservedly beaten finalists, but they should have won the Europa League. And the stick and the we can't stand it. I mean, there'd be quite a few clubs would would swap there, wouldn't they, for those places? Well, my team, if we'd have done that, we'd have thought we'd have died and gone to heaven. (laughs) 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 We've never finished anything like. And my my eleven of all time in Birmingham City, you'd go, oh my god. Um, yeah, <laughs> apart from Francis Atten and Latchford, I think we're struggling for the rest of them. You can't have Fergie and you can't have uh, Samat as the manager. 
who would your manager of that team be? And by the way, Big Run says that Rubbo was the greatest player that he ever managed. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Ferguson again, you know, but at that, and I saw both of them, met both of them, and, and obviously had the real privilege of interviewing some in his office, just me and him, for 45 minutes. And, um, a, a fantastic. You know, that's where it makes it impossible, doesn't it? I mean, nothing should be impossible. But, you, you know, if you say one, there's good an argument to say the other, isn't there? So we take them two away. Who's the manager? Because Fer- Fergie and, and Samat, they're just different class. Who, yeah. who's, who's, the, uh, who's the biggest character that could actually manage that team? For me, there would be only one Man United manager, and that would be Ron. Yeah, yeah. Big, big run. He, he certainly would. I tell you what. I tell you what. When you you go back to the seventies, but Ron, Ron was more towards the end of the seventies, wasn't yes. he? When he started West Brom. Yeah. But those players we spoke about before. Can you imagine Ron managing them? Oh. England. Yeah. Um. You know. But even Ron doing that, you come up against the side that. Um, it's all right saying we're going to win 6-5 every game, but you come up against the side that night, beat you 6-5 as well. Because, <laughs> I mean, talking 6-5s and stuff, um, West Bromwich Albion famously beat United, what was it, 78? Was it 5-3? Yeah, that, I went to the game. And that, of course, is in this um, yeah. in the 70s. Um, Programme gets the pride of place in it. Okay, I'll give you the. If I'm not picking Busby and Ferguson, here's a name for you. No one who listening to this may have ever heard of Ernest Magnell. M A N G N A W. Done me again. <laughs> he took he took United to the first title in 1908, wow. first FA, FA Cup in 1909, and then he won it again in 1911. And I think he went to City after that. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. And you can get this book, Manchester yeah. United Through the 70s. Yeah, um, legendspublishing.net. Absolutely. Is there anything finally that you want to talk about that we haven't covered that's in your book? And I'm going to give you the final few words because you are after all intents and purposes, an absolute legend, a, a great top man, uh, an MBE and, um, and, and a friend. And the amount of books that you've written about Manchester United, you've absolutely educated me. Well, my final word on this is that firstly, there's a, a Birmingham man, or I should say an Aston Villa man, because he, he might get upset to say Birmingham. Um, but Colin Abbott, yes. um, he was the man who recommended me to do it to Legends. So thank you to Colin Abbott. And of course, Carl Abbott uh, helps out on the books as well. But I think the biggest thing that even now, I said to you, I don't read it now, but is Martin Buchan's forward. Because like we said with Bobby Robson, Bobby Charlton, you know, oh, oh, do you want to write down what happened, Martin? In, no, 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 no. I will write the 3,000 word forward. Every word he says. And um, not that I was edging towards it, although I'd, I'd be honoured to do it. But I said, Are you, why have you never wrote a book? He said, no, no, no. He said, this will be the nearest anyone gets to seeing a book by me. And there's 3,000 words in there by Martin Buchan. And I'll leave you, Martin Buchan, I'll leave you just with one cherry. He felt a lot of senior players let Franco Farrell down. 
that you know and he said that's not just because frank o'farrell was the man who sang me but he felt a lot of people and again what i did i just say to you from that august to that mm. christmas five points clear after 21 games yeah. and playing some scintillating football and then lost eight on the trot i mean um okay sir it's a funny old game, isn't it? Football, yeah. as uh, James Peter yeah. Greaves once said. What's next yeah. on the uh, on the horizons for Roy Cavan? <laughs> and why wouldn't Martin write a book? Because I mean, you'd, you'd, you'd be brilliant. Yeah, I don't know. I think he's his own man. He's, well, I tell you what, he, there's no doubt about it. By the way, he, he would be able to write it himself. Yeah. You know what I mean? He wouldn't. Um, I love me cricket as well, um, yes. and. Um, and I'm doing. I've done six or seven cricket books, and uh, I'm doing one at the minute about a guy called um, Leonard Otwood, Len Otwood, who played for Lancashire from 1924 five to 19 to the war to 1939, and he was involved in four or five championship titles. Which from 1934, Lancashire went 77 years without winning a, a title. Um, so. And, and he's one of only three players who've scored a thousand runs and took a hundred wickets in the same season in Lancashire's history. Yeah. And he did it twice. Um, you know, and it's, it's an interesting story and I'm just dabbling into it and dabbling out of it. And we've got the Ashes at the moment in Australia. Am I <laughs> right in saying there was a Manchester United player that... Um took a wicket in an Ashes series and also scored or definitely played for Manchester United. Oof. Um, took a w- oh, um, oh, Sidebottom didn't, did he? Yeah, I'm was sure it, he did. Was it Sidebottom? Arnie, Arnie Sidebottom. I'm, I'm sure he took a wicket yeah. in uh, in an Ashes uh, test. And I'm not too sure whether he scored for Manchester United, but he definitely played for Manchester United. Oh, yeah, and that was in the 70s as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he, he'll, be in, he'll be in this book in Arnie. Uh, um, definitely. Uh, uh, Tommy, Tommy Baldwin, Born Gate said 10th of June 1945. <laughs> yeah. Arnie, Arnie side bottom. Um, 20 appearances, no goals. No goals. So he, he played for United, yeah, but he didn't games. score for United. Yeah. His son, of course, is Ryan Sidebottom. Yes, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Brilliant. Fantastic. Brilliant. It's pleasure. been an absolute pleasure again, sir. And can I just yeah. thank you so much for your time? And we yeah. will reconvene again when we're talking uh, more about Manchester United. I want to do, uh, I'm doing a little series, Too Good to Be Forgotten. You kindly uh, join me for a chat about Dennis Violet. Uh, perhaps yeah. after Christmas now, I'd love to uh, have a chat, Too Good to Be Forgotten, about the Salford lad, Eddie Coleman. Yeah, lovely. No problem. Uh, and and be, care- be careful when that boot drops through the letterbox. <laughs> <laughs> hey, the poor old postman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All the best, by the way, for you, by the way, for Christmas and New Year. You take Lovely, care. likewise. Thanks, Roy. Thanks for your time. Yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers. Bye Thank bye you. Bye bye. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 